0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Jack Hendry says Scotland must learn from the Ukraine defeat. Leon Balogun will leave Rangers this summer and Dundee's pursuit of Sean Maloney looks to be over. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Stephen McGowan. Good evening. How are you doing? It's um, just some problems with my headphones here. Yeah, it's been a departure for Leon Balogun. Did a really good job for Rangers. Um, excellent signing, 33. But I think there's just others now standing in the sidelines who can do a job just as good as suspect. Yeah, and the, the sun might be out, might be a Friday, might be a bank holiday, but Scottish football stops for no man. There's always talking points, Stephen, isn't there? There are, yeah. Well, we're getting into tickly a bit when it comes to transfers and things now. Um, first day today, I would say, when it felt like the close season, where things are beginning to quieten down, but we have to try and rouse ourselves again after the disappointment of midweek to try and get back up again for two big games against Armenia and one against Republic of Ireland next week. Yeah, well, we want to hear from you at home, 0141-951-1025 on the phones, or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. But we always like to hear from you on the phone. So as I say, 0141-951-1025. And the domestic stuff, I know a lot of people like the domestic stuff, but we still need to look back on that Scotland game. It was only two nights ago, I know. I feel the same myself, but it's, it's still a tough one to take, Stephen, isn't it? Not just the result, but the way the game went yeah I think the nature of it was as disappointing as anything really um, I've, I've, I don't think anybody really foresaw Scotland being quite so comprehensively outplayed as they were I think Ukraine could have been 2-0 up 3-0 up even after 20 minutes but for Craig Gordon and his excellence um, and just the, the the fact that another big game slipped away without Scotland really doing themselves justice again was what was really disappointing because in some ways, it felt like the Czech Republic. 11 months ago, when you think back to it, we played the 3-5-2. When you play Lyndon Dykes, you have no Kieran Tierney. It just feels to me like there were too many high balls being launched up the pitch, looking for a knockdown. But we don't really have midfielders who can get on the end, scavenge, pick up the ball. And Ryan Jack was missing that department as well, I think. Yeah, it just seems like such a, a missed opportunity to get that far where you're you know, within two games yeah. of a World Cup. And we've been in the playoffs before. We've managed to, to get through them. But just to... To get close and then to not get there just hurts even more. Well, you know, I was writing a piece for tomorrow. This is one for the older listeners, but I mean, anyone who remembers Bullseye in the 1980s for Jim Bowen and his, this is what you could have won. We used to bring a caravan out for the sidelines. It really does feel like that because, yeah, we are so close. We're going to be watching five o'clock on Sunday, watching Wales against Ukraine. Listen, good luck to Ukraine. I don't rule out the possibility of them going down and doing to Wales what they did to us. Obviously, Wales have Gareth Bale, they have Aaron Ramsey, they have a couple of superstars in there. But, uh, yeah, good luck to Ukraine. But I, I, I really do feel it's going to be quite a painful experience for us because, you know, it did feel so possible. It, it felt so achievable. And just another big chance to end 24 years of hurt has gone down the pan. Well, let's hear from you at home, 01419511025. Before we hear from you, though, we'll hear from Scotland captain Andy Robertson. He admits Scotland just weren't good enough on the night. He says the past two weeks have been the toughest of his career, but he's hopeful they can bounce back. 
always disappointing when you lose these games. Yeah, we didn't put a performance in that you know probably deserved to go through. You know, we didn't quite get our foot on the ball. We didn't. They settled quicker. I think usually in these games, the team that settles quicker usually has the upper hand, and that's what happened. So yeah, we didn't play our football until it was too late. We gave it a fight for the last 15, but you know that's not good enough to win a game. Like we're building something here, I believe. Sometimes you need to take, you know, uh, bumps in the road, and, and tonight's certainly a huge one. But yeah, we've already been to one, and we have to try and get to another. So obviously, the Nations League was the way in last time for the Euros, and, and that starts next week. So we need to be ready for that, and then we need to be ready for the Euro campaign. The toughest ten days of, of my footballing career, of course, it has been um, emotionally, mentally, physically, everything. Yeah, so it's not been great, but I'm just gutted for the lads in there. Obviously, I was desperate for them to get to a World Cup to play in the biggest stage, um, and unfortunately, we've fallen short. But we need to be ready the next time to come around. So, but you know what the way it is with international football, people get older and things like that. And you never know when your last, you know, chance of it will be, and that's why it hurts so much when it hits internationals. Football moves so quickly, Stephen, and all of a sudden you've got another game on your hands, Armenia on Wednesday, and it might not be a game that excites too many people. Mm. But when you actually look at what it means, it's another Nations League campaign for a another European Championships. It's a way we've got into a major tournament yeah. before. Scotland need to reset really quickly. You said it. I mean, we know the importance of these games. Um, it was effectively a playoff got us into the, the Euros, first tournament in 23 years. And actually, when we qualified for that, we saw Scotland, understandably because of the excitement, taking their foot off the pedal a little bit. It was the Slovakia, was it? Um, Israel as well lost a couple of big games. And that, that ended up being quite costly. So, yeah, the one good thing is that we don't have the, the kind of tedium of international friendlies anymore. These games count. The question will be, after the disappointment of midweek, how much will these players really be up for this? I, mean, I always remember Craig Brown saying he tried to avoid having qualifiers in June because players, their minds are on the beach, they were thinking about holidays. After the massive disappointment, the letdown of, of missing out in the World Cup finals, it really is a big onus on the manager and the players to step forward and do something here because, yeah, these games matter. Andy Robertson is obviously the, the leader in the camp, the captain. He's gone through, as he said, the, the toughest period of his career, missing out in the Premier League title, missing out in the Champions League, then missing out in the World Cup. He's got more to sort of pick up than anyone else, but he's going to have to be at the forefront of, of getting everyone in the right mindset for the game on Wednesday. He's an absolute leader of men for Scotland. He's, he's, become, he's become fairly priceless. Um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting how, you know, you, you, you tend to think that Andy Robertson's always going to be as player he is for Liverpool. Well, some people think he isn't, but in terms of his quality as a man, as a leader, as a figurehead, as a personality, he's absolutely huge. And yeah, he's going to have to try and raise them for this. Well, let's go to the phones. 01419511025. Brian is in Hurlford. Brian, what are you thinking tonight? How you doing? I, just, I think we lack leadership. Uh, I think we've by average players. I don't think Andy Gorham should, uh, Andy Robertson should be the captain. I'll give you to Big Craig Gordon. Uh, the team of donors and uh, they play a good team and they look good and like, like say a Liverpool and Aston Villa they're no great when they come to Scotland they're bang average uh, just I think there's I can't remember there's no many players to pick through but uh, the quicker these players realise that they're they're playing they're not playing for you know, uh, top class players in their, their league team they're playing the bang average players at Scotland so brings them down to a level where uh, I think they're just Maybe Stephen, is that what happens sometimes when there's a, a big defeat and fans are hurting that the scattergun comes out sometimes and mm -hmm. you look at the, the captain, Brian's talking about players that play for 
you know, Liverpool, Aston Villa. That, that's John McGinney's talking about, who's been very good for Scotland mm. generally under Steve Clark. But you know, Brian's talking about a lack of leadership. Is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, no, I think I think what Brian's saying has been something has been said for forty years. If you think back to the days of Kenny Dalglish, Graham Souness, Alan Hansen. Players who everybody agrees are world-class Scotland players, yet people used to say, you know what, they're just not the same when they turn up for Scotland. And I think there's always been an angle in a kind of SPL or a bit of a divide there. I think you look at the current squad, you would say they're really quite united. There's no cliques in it. And I think one of the big factors in that is Andrew Robertson. And, you know, you're talking about a Champions League winner who plays for Liverpool. You cannot drop a man of the calibre of Andy Robertson. I think the dilemma which we've had over the years is that in order to facilitate Andy Robertson and to facilitate 25 million Arsenal player Kieran Tierney is we've gone with a 3 5 2 and we've tried to accommodate them. And for me, when there's no Kieran Tierney, the 3 5 2 just doesn't work as well. It just, you know, as I said earlier, you get players lumping high balls up to, to, to Lyndon Dykes. It just doesn't, doesn't quite come off the way it does. So maybe there should be a change of information. And you know what? Maybe Brian's right that. For these games, we should look at other options. Maybe put Aaron Hickey to left back. Say to Andy Robertson, "Look, you're still the squad captain, but we need to try other things and just just freshen things up a bit." Brian, I think that's it. Leading, but uh, just another wee stumble. I just uh, I read in the paper on Facebook uh, that Andy Gordon's time is uh, coming to an abrupt end. It was six to eight weeks to live. I think that brings football right into perspective. We've got a guy there that's been played his pieces career. And unfortunately, just well, obviously, the official news we we had was an interview with Andy Gorham that that we all saw that that he had about six months to live. A, an awfully sad story. See, uh, story, Stephen. Sorry, it's um, you know a, a horrible thing to hear. Obviously, you know people hear unconfirmed reports here and there, but ju- just the story in general of what Andy Gorham's going through is 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 horrible. Yeah, it's horrendous. I mean, I, I, I always remember the best save I ever saw in person. Oh, in 1995 it was a 3-3 draw between Celtic and Rangers at, at, at Ibrox Tosh McKinley threw in across and Pierre Van Hoydonk made it flush and hit an absolute cracking shot and Andy Gorham pulled a, a stupendous safe off really and you're, you're looking going how on earth and that's what tends to to, to, to live as the, the legacy of, of the great footballers it's memories it's, it's tremendous achievements he won so many medals and listen, he's still with us. He's still fighting. So let's cling to that. Brian, just going back to Scotland, if that's all right with you, how are your confidence levels going into this next campaign that we're starting on Wednesday? Yeah, well, I'd say it's not for Sunday. I would get into the three at the back and play the four. Try and get a four. Because if, if you say Tierney's no there, they need to try and get four, four, two. Try and get midfielders in there that can play for a foot in the ball and sneak this big long punt up for as you say, Lyndon Dykes, trying to get the ball up in the ground. They're playing in Mania. It's real to at least score two or three goals with, with some decent football getting played in the mid, middle of the park and just to freshen things up a wee bit. Well, we did see Steve Clark the other night change formation and change shape a couple of times halfway through the second half. He, he went to that four at the back. Is that something you'd hope Scotland would do next yeah, week? Yeah, I, I thought he took a bit of criticism for not doing it sooner. Um, I think at half time it was obvious it wasn't working what was happening tactically the, the back three just wasn't quite coming off and you know if you've got Billy Gilmer you've got Callum McGregor you've got to give the ball to them to their feet and you've got to let them do something with it now I, you know, I accept the fact that Ukraine were policing Billy Gilmer really closely 
Um, so it wasn't really coming off. So he had to try something. He did bring on Ryan Christie for Dykes, trying to switch it up and change it. Unfortunately, before that, I had a chance to take impact. We're 2-0 down. So you're chasing the game. And I think probably a big moment as well, I don't know what you think, was the, the John McGinn header. Yeah. Where, you know, Just the, a, a huge the, turning yeah, point. Yeah, the it? keeper said slippery fingers, has fallen to him. I mean, if you scored that with half an hour to play... There's a real chance because Is that just a case of John McGinn Trying to be too precise Trying to find uh, the bottom corner I don't know Only he could answer I mean I think you know Listen Look at how many times John McGinn's been terrific for Scotland I mean International Player of the Year By a mile Probably the last two years And when things aren't coming off for him You think Well this really isn't our night But If you score then You've got time You don't need to rush it Whereas when We finally did get a goal back For Callum McGregor it was just, it was all still, the time, the, the, the clock was ticking down, you're really chasing it. And then you're liable to be picked off, aren't you, by Ukraine, which is exactly what they did um, in, in really clinical fashion. Well, thank you to Brian, 0141-951-1025 on the phones. Andy is next up in Finiston. Andy, now that the dust has settled on the game, how are you feeling about it? Uh, well, I was trying to go on after the game. I was, I was pretty gutted. And, and I think nice things have been said. That it, I mean, the players... Definitely let ourselves down. I mean, I don't know why they, what happened to them. You know, what I mean, they've all admitted that. But the thing, because I was listening to the show during the game because my telly crashed, and all the boys that was on the panel were saying the same thing. I was thinking, why is Steve Clark not changing this sooner? I know it's been said before, but to me, you know, after 15, 20 minutes, you could see that things weren't happening, and he, he waited to me too long. In my opinion, anyway, I thought he waited too long to change it. Yeah, I think that has been a, a criticism from quite a few people that they thought Steve Clark had waited too long to make the change. You can never really get inside the head of a manager and work out exactly what they're thinking. Maybe he he thought you know he, he was trusting the system and thought that it would come good at, at some point. Well, the system's served him well. I mean, they went into that game eight games unbeaten. Remember, and I, I think with Steve Clark, he's influencing that three five two formation in respect to the fact that if you remember when he first came in, but he lost four goals to Russia. Lost a few to Belgium as well, three was it? So first couple of games they were heavily beaten and I think that influenced that then it was an element of trying to get Robertson and, and Tierney into the same team and by and large it's worked reasonably well. There's always going to be times you look at Scott McTominay as a right centre back, sometimes it's been great other nights like they did on Wednesday you're thinking, you know what, I don't want to see that again when I see John Suter it was just one of these nights though where I think nothing came off Um you couldn't have bargained in so many players being off it. And, you know, we focus on shape, we focus on formation, but you, you, we've discussed Lyndon Dykes, we've discussed John McGinn, don't think Billy Gilmore was at his best, but Tommy didn't have his best game. Aaron Hickey looked, looked a bit uncomfortable. You know, we're, we're, we're naming individual names, but in actual fact, probably only Craig Gordon, maybe Callum McGregor got pass marks. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't have bargained, Andy, on, on Scotland being so poor. And Ukraine, who were really motivated, who'd been in a training camp for a month, which I think I think people thought that might be a bad thing for them. In actual fact, it looked like they were incredibly well drilled, really fit, really up for it, and Scotland sussed out. So we were incredibly bad, they were incredibly good. But I would agree with the basic point, yeah, I think we would all like to have seen it happening, that Steve Clark had changed it sooner. Andy? Aye, aye, I, I totally agree. Aye, I mean, but... Scotland and it was you get used to these kind of things, didn't we? <laughs> but can I just say an obvious thing about uh, Connor Gold? So I'm glad he's actually signed a new contact for Rangers. I mean, over the moon with that because I thought and what everybody else thought he was going to go, but I'm really delighted he signed. 
Yeah, it's not something we've actually had much time to talk about on the show yet, Stephen, just because there was a huge Scotland game. It was announced before the Scotland game on Wednesday, but it'll be a piece of news that I think maybe a lot of Rangers fans weren't expecting, but will be absolutely delighted with. That's tremendous news for Rangers. I mean, you you try and think how much it would cost to go and replace Conor Goldson. You have a, a natural leader, in my opinion, on the pitch. You have a guy of stature, both physically and in terms of his, his contribution to the team. Um, he has performed in a European final. He has won a title. He's won a Scottish Cup. Um, he is at an age and an experience where you would be paying millions to replace him to get somebody of kind of commensurate value. So I think it's tremendous news for Rangers. And I think you're right, it's been slightly lost in the, the midweek clamour over Scotland. What good news this is for Rangers. And I think Stephen Davis staying for another year as well is a no-brainer for me. I mean... It did seem to be a bit of reluctance to overuse him, possibly because of his legs, but I think he's he's just a brilliant guy to have around the place. Never loses the ball and absolutely get another year out of him. I think it had got to the point with days remaining on Conor Goldson's contract that a lot of Rangers fans had kind of accepted that he was moving down south. Was that a surprise to you when that came out on Wednesday? Yeah, I think it was a surprise to everybody, wasn't it? And there was talk of Nottingham Forest, obviously, with him going back up again. Who knows what the circumstances were? He was... Listen... We live in an era where players have the right to look at whatever options they have and take it right to the last day. There's no great crime in that. There's no reason to hold it against him. You know, he got to a position in the end where he decided, you know what, being at Rangers is the best thing for me. It's the best thing for his family. So everyone's a winner. He's, he'll have, surely you would imagine be one of the best earners at the club now. And Rangers have got a tried and tested campaigner who they know can go to course. Well, thank you to Andy, whether it's international football or domestic football, whatever you want to talk about, we are here for you. 0141-951-1025. Give us a call now and we could be speaking to you next. 0141-951-1025. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 0141-951-1025. If you want to get in touch on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard, Stephen McGowan in the studio with me, Andrew McLean. We've been talking about Scotland trying to get over that result on Wednesday night, needing to pick the squad back up for Armenia on Wednesday. Let's go straight back to the phones. Ken is in Canvas Lang. Ken, what are you making of it all? Uh, well, I mean, Boris, you came, first of all, I mean, they are, they are a good side. We got to about the semis at Euro 2020, 21. You know, they've beaten the World Cups before, so, I mean, they were a good side to start with. But I also, I mean, I do again, Clark did leave it too late. I also agree that the 3 5 2 doesn't seem what we can. Tierney's not there. I'd, I'd then go for a, like a 4 5 1, you know, with somebody like Christopher McGinn playing behind the likes of either Shea Adams, which would be my choice, or Lyndon Dykes, you know, with the, uh, Billy Gilmore, he was just bullied off that ball too much, and I think with a five midfield, it can be controlled a bit more. And that way we can get forward and hopefully punish big teams in future. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not the reason Scotland lost on Wednesday night, but Kieran Tierney was a huge miss. Is that something that Scotland are going to need to find an alternative to? Whether it is someone in a similar mould that can play that role that I'm not sure we've really got in and about the Scotland squad at the moment, or a case of, as we said before, just changing the shape and, and looking for something else? Yeah, I mean, personally, I would change the shape. But I, I just look back, as I say, to the Czech Republic game last year, but it was a huge loss. And then you look at Wednesday and you, you begin to see a pattern emerging. Maybe there's a bigger pattern in big games. I mean, Steve Clark and Scotland have been excellent in the last couple of years, really taken strides and improved. But when we get to these big games, there always seems to be something there which just 
Particularly the big games at Hamden with some of the Euros. Maybe we're just playing better teams, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there's an alternative to Kieran Tierney. He's clearly developing as a potentially world class player, one of the few we've got. So I think you have to change the shape. If you look at the night, probably the best performance most people would agree would be Denmark when we won 2 0. And with John McGinn and Ryan Christie supporting Shea Adams that night, he was outstanding. So, in a funny kind of way, I think Lyndon Diggs is becoming a bit of a problem. Not because he's a bad player. He's not a bad player. He's been a, a terrific acquisition. I just don't know if it's quite clear what to do with him. You've either got to play him up front himself if Adams isn't available. I don't think him and Adams can necessarily play together. You know, if you're going to play Adams, he needs to play on his own with a couple of guys around him. He can pick up knockdowns and what have you. But, but Lyndon Dykes, when he's there, there seems to be this kind of syndrome where he's a magnet for defenders to thrash the ball up the pitch. And then it comes straight back on top of him again. Yeah, it was so evident in the first half that any long ball up to Lyndon Dykes was just a road to nowhere. Whether yeah. he was he was winning the header, but there was no one there for the knockdown, or whether you know they were doubling up and, and winning the header up against him, it it was clear it just wasn't working, and, and Steve Clark had to change it. But it's just not it's not how you want to see international football played now, anyway, is it? Especially when you've got sort of ball playing midfielders as yeah. well, guys like Callum McGregor, Billy Gilmore, yeah. John McGinn as well, guys that can get on the ball and, and make things happen. We just didn't really see anything of them in the first half because the ball just bypassed yeah. them. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to play Billy Gilmore and Callum McGregor, you've just got to trust them to take the ball in front of central defenders and try and build the play. If you're just going to launch it up the pitch, there is no point in playing them. Absolutely no point. Saw as well in the first half, especially Malinovsky, the... Central midfielder who Terrific. I thought was excellent. Absolutely. He's at he's at Atalanta. Yeah. He just picked up the ball and, and strode through yeah. the Scotland midfield countless. Because times. there was such a gap, Andrew, between McGregor and Gilmore and John McGinn, who was playing almost as a kind of like third striker, if you like. There was this huge big gap in the centre circle where you're quite right, Ukraine were just able to stride through. But listen, you've got you know, you've got players that they have of the calibre, you know, of, of Zinchenko, you know, of of Yarmolenko. You cannot allow these guys to play. And listen, maybe it's just hindsight. You think now we, sh- we should have tried to flood the midfield a bit more. You know, Steve Clark has forgotten more about football than most of us will ever know. But I think looking back now, you would say he didn't get it right. Do you want to come back in, Ken? Yeah, well, I mean, as we, I was working on the dikes during the game. I mean, as I said, I mean, any time we won the ball, there was nobody there for me to put it down to. It was just it's a... Uh, a, a, a spare peg, you know. What I mean, there's no use, no use for them at all. There, you know. But um, as I was saying, you, you know, Ukraine are a, a, a class team, and they just ran over us in that midfield. So I think a five mid, a five man midfield would be able to control a lot better. It's fair comment, Ken. It's very, very difficult to take issue with that. You know, you need runners. I think Stuart Armstrong offers the legs that you need in that position. You know, you got Ryan Christie. Um, it just happened as I think we've, we've already alluded to I think these guys just saw action just a bit too late and instead of making one or two, one change at half time maybe two or three might have made the difference but listen we're all we're all experts in hindsight aren't we yeah Ken was talking about Lyndon Dykes there and, and he's had some very good moments in a Scotland shirt was key to, to helping Scotland yeah. get to the Euros and, and played at the Euros it, is it maybe something that Steve Clark needs to kind of look at over the next few games and assess the options up top because he, he's got guys like Ross Stewart yeah. who has been prolific in League One in England and, and has yet to have a chance uh, yeah yeah there's a Jacob Brown as well yeah I mean, Jacob yeah, Brown yeah, I mean, there's guys who haven't seen a great deal of action I think it would freshen things up I think it would 
give people something to focus on. I mean, Ross Stewart scored something, was it 25 goals or something, was it? Or something of that. Yeah, I think it was possibly even more than that, yeah. Yeah, 26. So, I mean, um, I I think that that, that tells you that there's a player in there. He gives you a physicality, he gives you a height. Um, Yeah, it would be good to see these guys. And if you can't do it in a Nations League game against Armenia, when are you going to do it? And what's the point of putting them in the squad? I mean, we want to win the games. They are important, but presumably they're there because Steve Clark likes them and trusts them. Although he's seen them in training in a way we don't, obviously. Yeah, there are no meaningless friendlies anymore with the way that the Nations League is set up. But when you've got a game at home to Armenia, that's as close as you can get to a game that you feel like you can experiment and actually try something a bit different. And I think you need to give the fans a reason to go as well. I mean, I don't know what the projected crowd's going to be for Wednesday night. You given it's a midweek game, it's a school night, you wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at twelve to 15,000 or something. We've got to make the best of what we can. We've got to try and build an atmosphere in any way imaginable. So you need to try and generate your own excitement and that might mean bringing in two or three faces to get the fans off a seat. Well, thank you to Ken, 01419511025 if you want to get in touch. I did say that we're happy to hear anything you've got for us on domestic football. Kenny is a Hearts fan mm-hmm. in Airdrie. Kenny, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, evening, Stephen and Andy. Uh, no, thanks. I'm just uh, after the way the seasons went. You know, and we've got guaranteed five teams in Europe. Three are definitely guaranteed group stages, and because of the World Cup, we'll, we'll probably still be in Europe after the the beginning of 2023, which I think is fantastic for Scottish football. Yeah, I mean the fact that we will have three teams in group stage European football next season just feels. Massive, doesn't it? Because it's been a long, long time since we've had that. So you're, you're a Hearts fan, Kenny, yeah? Aye, born I'm, and bred. I mean, I, I, I think this has been kind of missed. It's kind of slipped through the net a little bit. That Whatever happens now, Hearts are going to be playing group stage football of some description. I mean, the last time, Andrew, you might correct me, but I think Aberdeen 2008 was the last time a non-old yep. firm team actually got to the group stages of Europa League. And I just think it's going to be brilliant for Scottish football to see Hearts playing, hopefully, in the Europa League groups at the very least in the Europa Conference League groups and apart from anything else Kenny I mean you could see that doing wonders for the for the Hearts turnover and budget as well couldn't you I mean you would hope it would boost the chances of getting a couple of signings and maybe boosting up the wages of key players as well Well definitely Stephen I think uh, I think since our doomsday you know just 2012 but I think uh, Hearts has been very very run properly you know, the, the board are not going to go and splash thousands and thousands uh, on wages every week for players. I think they're just trying to build up a really, really good, strong unit, which which we've seen last season. Yeah. You know, we were, we were beginning to get players that could, you know, if an injured player go on, uh, came off, somebody was going on to almost a like for a like, you know, unless it was maybe Craig Gordon. But uh, I, thought, I thought Hearts did still very good last year, considering it was the first season back up. Kenny, in terms of the financials, it's obviously huge getting into the group stages of European football, but as a fan, to have those guaranteed games where you're going to be playing away in Europe and, and have those matches in a group stage throughout the second half of the year, just how exciting is that? Very, very Andy. Uh, I want to go back to the days, you know, it was when it was all standing at Tynecastle, but watching Hearts beating Bayern Munich 1-0, and I believe that was the quarter-final of the UEFA Cup in, the, in that, that era. Ian Ferguson scoring a twenty yarder. You know we got beat two one in, in Bayern. We got beat two one in Germany. Uh, I remember Big Dave McPherson missing one to make it two all, and Cahoon missed a chance to, you know, to put us in the lead. It's just fantastic, you know, being being a lifelong jambo, and my daughter's falling in the, in the same suit. Uh, 
I just I think it's great for Scottish football uh, all round. Kenny, I've got tears of nostalgia rolling down my cheeks here. Really, this is sorry, this sorry, is great. <laughs> this is great memories for a man of my age. But no, absolutely, and and you know it's invigorating for the Scottish game in general because Celtic and Rangers are the, the names we're used to seeing in the European group stages, and just freshens up the menu, and we need that and. A lot of credit has to go to, to, to particularly Rangers and Celtic as well for what they've done in European football. Because they've really, you know, we've got, we've got to a point where the coefficient has got us to this stage. A long may it last. Kenny, it was a, a signing, was it yesterday, the day before, Alan Forrest signing for Hearts. Is that something you're happy to see? Oh, I think it's very good. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, he made the step up there United to Livingston. He's held his own for, for the, the, the two seasons at Livingston. And I think he's a great addition to Hearts. I always feel quite sorry for Alan Forrest just because he's he's always known Stephen as James's wee brother. But he's he's made a good career for himself. He has been good at Livingston as well. As Kenny said, he made the step up from the Championship into the Premiership. Hearts picking him up on a, a free transfer. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, to be fair, probably because of injury, Alan Forrest has a more impact than James in the last year anyway. Um, I don't mean that unkindly to James, but he's just not seen a lot of action. And Alan Forrest has just shown a real kind of directness and done. And listen, if you can do it on that pitch at Livingston, then you can do it anywhere, I would imagine. So, um, decent sign of a Hearts. Good luck to him. Kenny, does it feel like the foundations are, are really there for another good season next time round? I think so. I think so. I think there's. I mean, I, I, I'm beginning to get to know Joe Savage uh, personally, but we see him after most of the, the games. Uh, I think Joe's fantastic for what he does outside, you know, what. The manager trains the team, runs, picks the team and everything like that. But I think a uh, big credit goes to Joe for what he does behind the scenes, the players he's bringing in. Cammy Devlin, you know, the, and they're looking at their centre half, uh, uh, is it Kyle, somebody, Kyle for uh, Australia, Shankland. I mean, they'd all be good signings. Yep, yep. Central Coast Mariners, yeah, yeah, that's the player. Stephen, can I, can I, I don't know how long I've got here, but can I give a big shout out uh, to Colsaith Community Girls Football Team who are playing in the League Cup final tomorrow, uh, my daughter's team. So a big shout out and good luck to them and hope they, hope they win and hope my daughter scores again. There we go. Good luck to them, certainly. Well said, Kenny. 01419511025 if you want to get in touch. Now that we're on domestic football, we may as well stay there for a wee bit. There was an announcement just before we came on air that we touched on earlier on. Leon Balligan is leaving Rangers this summer. Is that something that has surprised you? Is it one that you, you weren't really sure what was going to happen with it? Um, well, we were discussing before we came on air, weren't we, about you look at the cast list Rangers have now. You look at Calvin Bassey, OK, there's doubt about his future, whether he will be attracting massive bids given his form at the end of the season. That's not inconceivable. You look at John Suter coming in who you would imagine will play right centre-back, or would have done certainly if, if, if Goldson had left, but Goldson's staying. And then you've got Leon King. And Leon King's fascinating because I've heard so much about the boy's potential. He's, he's seen glimmers of first-team football. And clearly, Giovanni Van Brockers has a bit of trust in him. So you would like to find that Leon King and Alex Lowry will get some kind of action, see a bit more first-team participation this season. And ultimately, you can only have so many players. OK, don't know when Philip Hollander's going to be fully fit again. But, you know, you look at Bassey, Hollander, Suter, King, that's a decent cast list. You know, and, and you, then, you, then you throw Goldson in there as well. So, you know, it's um, probably not so surprising at the age of 33 
The Liam Balligan's gone But he did a great job He covered the ground He had great physicality He could be trusted For the big occasions So I think Rangers fans will, will, will wish him well And say thanks for the memories Yeah it's a key area Of the park But Giovanni Van Bronckhorst Will be quite happy That at the moment There seems to be a good few Settled options We'll see what happens With Calvin Bassey A lot of speculation About mm-hmm. his future But the options he has there At the moment Means he's, he's not having to go out And, and yeah. shop for another centre back He can then Kind of look at Other other areas in the squad No absolutely That's why that's why Golden Stain Was enormous wasn't it Because um, As we alluded to earlier Replacing him Would have taken Many millions of pounds To get a player Of the same calibre Yeah there was another uh, bit of Speculation today In the Athletic Joe Arribo A target for Crystal Palace Crystal Palace He's obviously been a big player for Rangers, maybe wasn't as effective in the second half of last season as he was in the first half of the season. But Rangers are going to have to make some big decisions on Arebo and Morelos and Kent, three guys who are now entering the final year of their contract. It's not an ideal situation, that. If you have big, important key players, you really want to manage the squad in such a way that it's staggered. I think Arebo is possibly the most likely to go if they, if they decide that the time is right to sell them. I mean, there's an argument for having difficult conversations with these players. You say, look, guys, if you're willing to commit for a wage rise, add another year or two to protect the club's interests, that's fine, we'll do that. If you're not, then it shouldn't be a crime to say, you know what, maybe it's time to accept the bid because it gives Giovanni Van Bronckhorst a chance to get a decent fee for him, reinvest the money and try and improve the team and bring in his own players. You know, Celtic Rangers are always very much, oh, we are not selling clubs. There's nothing wrong with selling when the time is right. If the value is maximised, if it suits both parties, if a Joe Rebo doesn't necessarily want to commit for another, another year or two, well, so be it. And I think Crystal Palace are genuinely interested. Joe Rebo only came in for a compensation fee, but when a, a player does well and their value rises, the, the last thing you want is then for them to leave at the end of their contract for, for no money. So it seems like it really is stick or twist time for, for him and, and the other two we mentioned. Absolutely, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think I think it's time to have difficult conversations. You can't push them out the door. And, you know, you've got to get that balance right. But, yeah, if they're not going to commit, then Rangers are quite within their rights to seek a fee it's not going to be exactly what they would want, but commensurate with their values, players. 0141-951-1025 is the number you need. Give us a call and we could be speaking to you next. Number one for football in Glasgow and the West. 0141-951-1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Stephen McGowan here with me, Andrew McLean, in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. And there's some breaking news from down the league's Cove Rangers boss Paul Hartley has left to join... Hartlepool Interesting one Stephen Good move um, But you know it's a, it's a big boat I had to Cove Rangers and Obviously going up to the Championship This season After back to back promotions But I mean Paul Hartley's His career has been You know It's been A bit of a roller coaster. You know Instant success of Alma He then Went to Dundee Back to the Premier League Turned an opportunity To manage Cardiff Steered Dundee to six in the league and then he's, he's at Cove Rangers back to back promotions. But I mean, a great move to England for him. And it leaves the question of who comes in at Cove Rangers. And I wonder whether maybe Kevin Thompson could be one he could be a, a contender for. Or he's been linked with QPR, I think, hasn't he? Yeah, I think uh, certainly I've seen reports that Michael Beale might be interested in taking him yeah. as part of his backroom staff there. But it'll be a, a sore one for Cove because they'll have been hoping getting up to the championship that they'll just have that continuity going into the new season. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Listen, you always think Cove are one of these teams who are well-financed. It gives them a, a good chance. But 
I think if we saw anything last season, we saw, we saw that the championship is not always about money because our growth showed that. You just have to go up and you have to be able to compete because it's a really tough, hard league. And that's absolutely not what you want when you're going up as a promoted team to lose your manager just at the end of the season. Yeah, looking at a bit of news elsewhere, I saw that Karl Starfelt in a friendly against Slovenia was stretchered mm. off. That's it'll be one that worries Celtic fans. I know it's still early in June and domestic fixtures are quite far away, but supporters will never want to see their players getting injured on international duty. No, I think he was having a scan today. He had a spasm in his back or something, so he's looking to see what the, what the full extent was. Listen, you've got what, six to seven to eight weeks until he would need to be fully fit. But listen, whatever happens, Celtic are looking to bring in a centre half, a ball playing centre half, they're looking for a left back as well. I think if Barkas goes, they'll, they'll bring in a keeper. So there's a number of positions they're looking to strengthen. Um, I would think they would be happy to bring in one centre half without having to look at bringing in two. Hopefully, because he's not had a long term injury. Yeah, the fact that Celtic are straight into the Champions League group stages gives them a bit of comfort it because does, that means yeah. there's, there's no qualifiers, you're not having to worry about flying here, there, and everywhere in the very early stages of the for, season. For, for, for the first time in living memory, Celtic fans will not have to watch Near Beaton in a Champions League qualifier playing centre half. Um, so that's, uh, that, that, that's going to be a bit of a novelty for them to begin with. So, yeah, no cause for panic yet where we we um, Starfield is concerned, but yes, yeah, certainly grounds for a furrowed. For a brew or two. I feel silly for saying still waiting on this considering it's the 3rd of June but a lot of talk last week about Jota and Cameron Carter-Vickers yeah. and whether the deals were, were sort of imminent There's certainly it looked towards the end of last week there was reports that, that Jota might be yeah. through the door very quickly Cameron Carter-Vickers has come out and confirmed he's leaving Tottenham but no confirmation of, of where he's going yet that'll be one that Celtic fans will be sort of waiting with bated breath Yeah, it's one of these ones it's just a day-to-day basis, isn't it? We're at the point now where there's nothing more that can be said about these two guys. They just have to sign or they don't sign. That has to be down to the club and the players themselves to agree terms. I think of the two, I'll be more optimistic about Jota. Not that I'm pessimistic about Carter Vickers, I must be honest. I just don't know. If I did, I would put it in the paper. Um, that has to be between him and the club. And at the minute, as long as it goes on, there's going to be anxiety from fans. But as you said, it's what, Juniper does it? Yeah. And everyone's on holiday. There's going to be this, this natural lull in the transfer market a little bit at the moment. So um, let's bear with it. Yeah, and I saw Celtic linked with another name this morning. I'm, I'll be honest, Stephen, I'm glad it's you that's on the show with me for this one and not Gordon DL or Mark Wilson or Alex Ray because I'm not sure they'd be able to be as mature as you on this one. <laughs> linked with Mohamed Abu Fani, who is an Israeli central midfielder. Um it's a market that Celtic have shopped in before, something they, yeah. they know very well. Well, I think you always naturally assume there's going to be a Dudu Dahan link there. Um, as sure as night follows day. Um, he's back in favour again, again because of Leila Bada, who scored for Israel, of course, scored a good goal in the international game there in the Nations League. I think they've also looked at Kevin and Doram, is it, of Mets, who is one that they've certainly had a, a tickle at, looking at a couple of left-backs, certainly in Argentina. Um... Uh, Francisco Ortega is one the other name we heard was Julian Audi of Lanus who's in the under 21 team so they're casting the net wide they're having a look all over the world and I think that's what's changed in terms of bringing in the Japanese players with Ange Postacoglu they're looking at markets now they haven't necessarily looked at before Israel isn't one of them they may well go back to the tried and tested you wouldn't be entirely surprised well Stevie is in Craig End he's up next on the phone Stevie I know you're on to talk about Scotland but you're a Celtic fan as well, just on the, the topic of Celtic, how are you feeling ahead of the new season? Pretty relaxed, I would assume, with it being very early in the transfer window and how last season went? I mean, obviously, it's going to be that is what it is, mate. I mean, no, and 
Uh, you look at it and you say, I'm a Spurs fan as well, mate, you know what I mean? So, Carter Vickers coming to Celtic is just absolutely outstanding, you know what I mean? It's, he never really got a chance down there and Celtic gave him a chance and he, he showed him what he can do. He's, he's helped with a couple of goals and stuff like that, but again, it's just, it's so exciting for Scottish football. Anybody obviously that's listening was me. I mean, I was supporting Rangers all the way through Europe and stuff like that, so... It's just, it's great. I was listening to the guy yelling on my hearts and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's all good. Obviously, that me know the other night. I was screaming at the telly. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, I was frustrated how John McGinn missed that. They even had a score back now, 52. Know what I mean, no. There's no, I mean, but it's, to me, it's, and I know what Stephen was saying earlier on there, but I'm going to the game in Wednesday. There's an early Father's Day present for my wee grandson, AJ. And uh, we'll be there, and I think Hamden will be full, guys. I mean, because we're doing really, really well. And I, I was just annoyed that Clark didn't learn for the, the Croatia game and the, the Czech Republic game, with the, the floating player just staying in the middle of the park. And Hopkins Modric done it, he just moved mm. front of the defence, took the ball, moved front of the midfield, took the ball, and then just set up the forwards. And Jan Malenko was just there to be picked up, and nobody done it. But we've got a boy scored 26 goals for Sunderland, and we can do the same road as Jordan Rhodes, but Stratton done with him, just not playing him. He needs to, Steve Clark needs to throw something at these countries now that they don't know the other day. I mean, I thought he'd done all right, but he's, a, he's up against a smart forward to left the big defenders and dropped onto the wee guy and scored. That's schoolboy defending, lad. I mean, I don't know if you agree or disagree. I thought the, the defending for the, the, the first goal was unbelievable, wasn't it? I mean, you, you've got one where um, Yarmolenko is a 32-year-old striker who's not noted for his seeding pace, has managed to run on to a, a tremendous goal for Malinowski, who I thought we discussed earlier was outstanding. But right over the top, straight through the middle, he breaks the offside and lobs it calmly over Craig Gordon. And you're thinking at that point, this defence isn't working. It's just not... It's not panning out well at all. So, yeah, I totally agree the defending was poor. I think, yeah, I take the point about a midfielder strolling through, but you're looking at the quality of the players that Ukraine had. I mean, Zinchenko is world-class. Is that something that's maybe been lost a bit? Yeah, because I think a, a lot of people so. maybe underestimated Ukraine just because of everything that they've yeah. gone through, but there was some real quality in that side. And now that the dust has settled, you're able to look at guys like Zinchenko, guys at Yaramchuk up top, who's at Benfica, Malinovsky at Atalanta. They also had... Some really good players. Yes, Scotland weren't at it, yeah. but Ukraine also Andrew, had some yeah, very yeah, good players. I agree with you, but six of the starting 11 were Shakhtar Donetsk yeah. or Dynamo Kiev players who hadn't kicked a ball since December in competitive action. Yeah, they played some charity friendlies across Europe. Yeah, they played some, some knockabouts for Ukraine. And, you know, like maybe the training camp was the best thing that happened to them because they had a chance to play together, work on their fitness, work on their drills. But I think the expectation wasn't so much that they wouldn't have good players, it was that just for these awful circumstances in Ukraine, that there would be no mental state. And I remember speaking to Sergei Baltacha last week about this. He said, I've no worries about their physical fitness. It's their mental state of mind that concerns me. But for the minute, was it, uh, who was it clattered into Billy Gilmer? Was yes. it... Yaramchuk, 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 I think it was Yaramchuk who got booked after the six minutes. He looked at that and thought, hang on a minute. They, 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 they're they taking this really. They, they're determined to give us a real go. And there was a real steel in the eyes of the Ukraine players. I think we, we underestimated the mentality. We 
We probably underestimated their fitness and we underestimated their absolute determination and we certainly underestimated, underestimated their technical ability because they were tremendous. Well, thank you to Stevie. Another story I wanted to touch on. It looks as if Dundee's pursuit of Sean Maloney is over. He, he was our number one candidate, but it looked towards the end of last week as well that it was possibly going to be signed and sealed, but Dundee now look as if they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. Who do you go for now? I mean, Kevin Thompson inevitably will be mentioned again, but I think they have concerns about his experience. Jack Ross turned him down. Maloney, I think, liked the idea of working with Gordon Strachan again, who was his manager at Celtic. I think they had a kind of shared vision. But speaking to someone close to it this morning, he said they just couldn't get it over the line. So it is, it's back to the drawing board. And there's so much about Dundee that doesn't look too clever. And you think back to these American owners of Dundee, Dundee United, Aberdeen and Hibs, who commissioned this Deloitte review six months ago. And then you look at where their teams are finishing in the league and thinking, you know what, probably conducted a study into their own clubs. Yeah, it won't feel great for Dundee if you if you can't agree terms or, you know, Jack Ross, for an example. If you're unable to, to bring someone in that, that doesn't have a club to go to elsewhere, it's not a great situation to be in. It's not a great advert for anybody who's looking at that job, is it? You know, it's not a great advert for anybody looking at the job. I mean, they're, they're looking and saying, well, why are these guys turning the job down? You know, they, they don't own their own stadium. They're not really getting terribly far with building a new one. Still bogged down in planning problems. I don't even know if they have a training ground tied up for next season. So if you're looking at Dundee, you're thinking, Gordon Strachan's had a few challenges. I don't know if he's any quite as strong as this. It's not an easy league to get out of either. I mean, what a championship next season. I mean, you've got Cole Rangers coming up, you've got Queen's Park, you're going to throw a few quid at it. You know, you've got... <laughs> we've got Hamilton Aggies, I think, will be better. There's mm-hmm. Rodan Fairman, of course, now. Our broth, not likely to fall, away, fall off a cliff either. So, yeah, really tough. Yeah, lots to look forward to next season. But of course, before that, Scotland have a few more important games in the Nations League. Up against Armenia at Hamden on Wednesday. I'll be back on Monday night to preview that with Mark Wilson. But it's Bank Holiday Friday. The sun is out. The perfect soundtrack to your night is coming up next because the GBX is coming up now.